Hi, this is Pastor Ben Fagelin from Bright Church. I'm so glad you're listening to this podcast. I hope this message inspires you, deepens your relationship with God, and that you're encouraged in your faith. We hope to see you soon at Bright. Well, if anyone has known me for really any length of time, you probably don't need to know me for very well to learn this about me. Um, and this is that my stories, when I tell a story, I'm one of those people that really struggles just to tell a story in a linear fashion, right? So when you go from like, you know, people that tell stories, it's like, here's A and here's B, you're there. That's not me. Uh, I would say that my stories probably resemble more like a bowl of spaghetti. Um, One little bit just is all tangled up and somehow when you follow it, eventually you get to the end. Now, I am very aware that when it comes to my storytelling, that it's not really specific. It takes me a while sometimes to get to the point. And you know, this is something that I've worked on and particularly when it comes to preaching, it's important that I'm not telling you 20 minutes of a story and it's something I've really had to work on. But you see, there is actually a reason for why I feel that every detail is important. You see, if I miss out on details in my stories, then I'm afraid that you're not actually gonna get the full picture of what I'm trying to say. You know, if I'm telling you about my lunch, it would be horrible if you thought that maybe I had a burger instead of having pad thai. Okay, I want to make sure that I'm not misleading people. I'm telling them every little detail that there is to know about this story because I would hate to think that I was misleading people. Now, in this day and age, with all the messages that we get from news, from media, social media, different people, it can be really easy to be misled sometimes. And it can be really easy to start listening into the wrong voices and starting to miss information that might be important. You see, there's a group of people in the Bible called the Galatians. Now, the Galatians were being misled. We find um, a book in the Bible called Galatians, very creative. It's a uh, letter that Paul wrote to the churches of Galatia. And what's happening um, in this time is that there are some false teachers Now, these false teachers, they are um, coming and preaching to the people, to the churches of Galatia, and they're preaching to them a gospel that's actually distorted from the gospel that they heard when they were saved, when they gave their lives to Jesus, the gospel that, that, that Paul preached to them. And they're believing, they're starting to believe these false teachers. So there's a bit of this disruption. There's a dispute going on between the people in Galatia because some of these people are starting to believe these false teachers and there's trouble that's occurring because they're being misled. So we're going to pick it up in Galatians 1 verse 6 to 10. And it says this, this is Paul writing, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another one, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one we preach to you, let him be accursed. As we have said before, so now I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one that you received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I was still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. You see, the gospel is being corrupted. And this, to Paul, is a big deal. All right, this is a big deal. Now we know that it's a big deal because of the way that Paul writes. You see, when you look at any other letter that Paul writes, he has this way of saying a prayer 
And then he'll usually thank God for the people that he's writing to. Okay, so he'll usually thank God for them or say a prayer for them or something like that. But when you come to the letter to the Galatians, we don't see any of that. Okay, if you look through from the start of the chapter in Galatians, Paul says a prayer and then he is straight in there. There's no thanking God for them. There's no sweet talk. There's no sparing their feelings when it comes to the Galatians. Because Paul is mad and rightfully so, this is a big deal what is going on. You know, it kind of reminds me of when a parent is telling off their child and they use the full name. I've heard it said that middle names are only really given to kids because then you can lengthen their name when they're really in trouble, right? This is kind of like the equivalent of what I see Paul doing in this moment. The Galatians, they're getting a big telling off because what is going on is a big deal. And we should see Paul's response to this to show us that emphasis on the importance to believe in the true gospel, the one and only gospel of Jesus, one of grace, one of freedom, one of peace. And we are to believe that and that only. You see, the Galatians, they weren't guarding their hearts and they weren't guarding their minds. The Galatians weren't on guard. We need to stay on guard. You see, I don't think that the Galatians necessarily set out to find a different truth. I don't think that the Galatians were looking to abandon their faith in any way. What I think was happening is that they weren't actually guarding their hearts and their minds. And because of that, over time, this gradual shift started to happen where they started to take on things that weren't actually true, where they started to believe things or try to appease people. And that started to distort the gospel that they had first encountered. And so I believe that what's happening is that they're not so much consciously doing this, but subconsciously they're starting to take on some of these ideas because they haven't been guarding their hearts and their minds. And what does Proverbs 4.23 say? It says, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. See, I find it so interesting that, um, you know, it says that they want to. It says, you know, in verse seven, it says, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. I find that so interesting because I don't think that the Galatians necessarily set out wanting to abandon their faith and what they had been taught. But whilst they were subconscious to that, I tell you who was consciously trying to distort the gospel is the enemy. You see, where we may be so subconscious to what's going on, the enemy consciously and intentionally wants to pull us away from God. You see, you are made in the image of God and therefore the enemy does not like you. He doesn't like God, so therefore he does not like you because you mean a lot to God. Whether you know him or not, you mean a lot to God and he wants to have relationship with you, but the enemy doesn't want that. So what the enemy will do is he'll try to pull you away from God and he will try to deceive you. And so it's interesting here that it says that he wants to do that or that the people are wanting to do that. You see, there's a really great quote by David McCracken um, in his book, The Incorruptible Heart. It says this, it says, the issue is not that we consciously rebel, but that we don't consciously submit. We need to consciously be on guard. See, Paul's respect and concern for the truth, his, the way that he upholds this and how serious this seems to be, should inspire us and teach us about the importance of staying true to the gospel, of not believing anything alternate to what we read in scripture. 
we are responsible for guarding our own hearts and mind and we're also responsible for guarding the gospel and the truth of the gospel and who our God is. We're responsible for guarding that in our world around us as well. If you don't stay on guard, you lose your way. You know, I can't say on guard without thinking of on guard, right? Like fencing, not like building fencing, but but the, the like the sport fencing, right? So I can't say on guard without thinking of that. And I would say that when I said on guard, at least 80% of people um, perhaps have thought of on guard and thought of fencing by now. And you see, I was thinking of this picture of fencing, right? And so when they, I'm no fencing uh, expert, but I do know this, when they start a fencing competition or a fencing match, what they do is they will say on guard. And what that means is to get into position, right? So they say on guard and then the opponents are supposed to get into position. My question to you is this, are you in position? Are you in position? Because the enemy is bound to attack. It's inevitable. In fact, the Bible warns us of that. It says that, you know, this war is not with flesh and blood, but it's actually a spiritual war. So it's inevitable that the enemy is going to try to attack. Are you in position? Are you ready for what's inevitably going to come towards you? You know, I picture this, um, this fencing image and I think, about, I think about it this way. I see two people there and they're supposed to be having this match, but they say on guard and one of the one of the opponents is ready but the other one meanwhile is just like da, 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 just looking around no care in the world checking their phone chatting to someone checking some social media no care in the world right meanwhile the other opponent is having a field day and totally dominating the competition Sometimes we are so unaware of what the enemy is doing. Sometimes we are so unaware of the attack that he is putting towards us that when we actually realise and become conscious of it, it's too late. We've already lost the competition. We need to stay on guard. We need to be in position and we need to be ready. You see, when things get really hard, when things start to trouble you, and maybe for you in this time, maybe this has actually been a really hard season. Maybe um, you are someone who has unfortunately lost work from this situation or business is tough. Maybe for you, this, this time in the coronavirus, maybe it's been really lonely for you for a period of time and perhaps you're finding it hard to get out there again and start getting back into the swing of life. Maybe for you, it's actually not really related to coronavirus because we know that even in the midst of this, normal things still happen. Terrible things still happen that are unrelated. And maybe for you, this has actually been a really difficult time for you. And I'm so sorry if that is the case. I'm so sorry to hear that. And we would love to be able to support you. But can I just say this? If, you, if your heart is troubled, you need to be on guard more than ever. Because when we are troubled, what happens is we are now increasingly vulnerable to the attack of the enemy. When we are down, when we are feeling um, that things are hard, often that is exactly the time when the enemy will attack. You see, the Galatians, they were troubled, they were scared, they were threatened by the false teachers. And because of that, they became increasingly susceptible to believing this twisted truth. They became increasingly susceptible to believing this distorted gospel that was being presented to them. 
if we are scared, if we are hurting, if we are discouraged or disillusioned, then we become more susceptible to considering other ideas, alternative ideas. You see, where you may have believed that Jesus was sufficient prior, maybe you started looking elsewhere. Maybe Jesus was enough before things got hard, but then something happened in your life that didn't quite match up with the way that you would have liked to have seen it. Maybe you prayed to God and he gave you a no. And maybe Jesus seemed sufficient prior, but now that your heart is troubled, you're starting to look elsewhere. You see, Often it's when we feel that guilt or shame or our heart is troubled in another way and times get tough. Often it's then that people start to change their theology. Often it's then that people start to believe something different or take on different ideas. They start to shift in some way, often so subtly to begin with. But it's in this time when people start to run from him that we're supposed to run directly to him. It's in this time when our hearts are troubled that we're to run to God and let him be our comfort in that time of need. You see, this is so close to my heart because I've seen it. You know, you don't have to be around church for long before you start to notice that every now and then there's these people that are so passionate. They're so passionate about what they believe. They're so passionate about God. They're on fire for Him. And then fast forward sometime later, whether it be weeks or months or years, and they're no longer living the life that they seem to be so passionate about. You know, maybe they've had a significant moral shift and they've distanced themselves from God and from church and from people in that community. I don't know what it might be, but it, but you see it time and time again. You see, it's so important that we listen to the correct gospel, that we listen to one that brings salvation, one that brings hope and freedom and truth. If you're listening today and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian and maybe you haven't heard the gospel message before or maybe you know you've heard of God you've heard of Jesus but you're not really sure what the truth is and I'm talking about this true gospel the one true gospel and you're thinking cool what's the true gospel well I would love to actually be able to just share that with you now you see the true gospel is one of grace the true gospel is one of freedom it is one that is not about rules and regulation but it is about a God who loves you so much that he wanted to have relationship with you you see People, we make mistakes. It doesn't take Einstein to know that. I make mistakes, you make mistakes. If you're Christian or not, you're going to make mistakes. And people make these mistakes. And we, in life, we just, honestly, we just, we, we might be trying to do the right thing, but I haven't met one person that, is, that has managed to live their life mistake-free thus far. Okay, so what happened was Jesus, he came to earth and he lived a perfect life. Now that's so important because we couldn't do that. So he did that in our place because he wants to have relationship with us. Okay, so he then what he did is he went to the cross and he died. He took all of the sins, all those mistakes, all of the weight of sin. He died for us, taking the weight of that. And he died paying the price for our sin. See, sin, it's a big deal. It's actually not just a small little thing and mistake that we do, but it's a big deal because what sin does is it separates us from God. God is a perfect God and sin is far from perfect. And so it separates us from God. But God hates that because he wants to have relationship with us. So by Jesus living that perfect life, dying on the cross and then being raised again, that meant that we could now have relationship with God because God sees that perfect life of Jesus. When he looks at you, he sees that perfect life placed on you. 
It is unconditional. It is something that is a gift. It is something that you cannot earn, but it is a gift that was given to us because Jesus, he loves you so much. He wants to know you and have relationship with you. So this incredible good news, it's one of incredible divine favour and unmerited favour and an incredible grace that far extends anything that I've ever seen anywhere else in this world. Jesus is a God of grace. So we've got to ask ourselves then, why is Paul so annoyed? Like, why is this such a big deal? Because the false teachers, you see, it's not that they were saying Jesus didn't exist. They didn't say that. They believe that Jesus existed. So that's not so much the issue. So why is it such a big deal? You see, what they were teaching was discrediting the work of Jesus. What they were teaching was totally against that good news that I just told you. Remember how I said that you couldn't earn it? Remember how I said that it was a gift? Well, what they were teaching was discrediting the work of Jesus because they were saying that he's not enough. Essentially, they were saying that the finished work of the cross wasn't enough and that the cross was not enough. They were saying that you can add to the gospel, that you can add to your salvation and it's just not true. They were saying that that it's a work, that it's works-based, that you have to follow the rules and regulations, that there were certain aspects of the law that existed before Jesus that you still had to uphold, which would mean that if we could earn our righteousness, then there was no reason for Jesus to die on the cross. So they were saying that you could add to, that you could add to the work of Christ by obedience to the law. You see, for, for them, it might've looked like following rules and regulations. It looked like things like being circumcised. It looked like um, following certain rules that were before Jesus died, that, that had to be fulfilled before Jesus died. But for us in this day and age, maybe a distorted gospel for us might look like not truly knowing our value and identity in Christ. Maybe it might look like believing something other than what God has called you to be. Maybe a distorted gospel for us could be a significant change in our moral compass away from the values that are preached to us in the, in the, in the Bible. Maybe it could be that your belief about who Jesus is and what he's done for you isn't enough. Maybe you're trying to add to the gospel by being some kind of super spiro, superhero Christian. You know, I don't know what that might look like for you, but I know this, that people in the Bible, that they were challenged by this because they were looking for a way, perhaps to maybe to control the gospel, maybe to control um, aspects of their salvation I'm not, I don't know why they did it, but I know that people have not changed so much from this time. And so what was an issue for them then is bound to still be an issue for us now. It just might look different in our culture. Maybe for you at the moment, you're starting to question. Maybe for you, you're starting to question what you have previously believed to be true, but you're not wanting to talk to anyone about it. Maybe you're wanting to bottle it all up yourself. I would say that that is something to look out for. All of these things, they're almost red flags for us, alarms for us to let us know that perhaps the true gospel is being tampered with in our lives. You see the false teachers, they were tampering with the gospel. Whenever we tamper with the gospel in some ways, it's not made to be messed with. So whenever we tamper with it, trouble follows. 
that the two always go hand in hand. We can't believe anything other than the gospel that we find, the gospel of grace and love that we find in the Bible because anything else will lead us on a path of destruction. You know, I don't know if anyone um, that's listening in today, I don't know if you can think of someone in your life, maybe it's you, I don't know, but I don't know if you can think of anyone in your life that used to be so passionate about something. They were so passionate, but now fast forward a little while later and all of a sudden they don't ever talk about it anymore. It was all that you heard about, but now they're not so passionate about it. You know, take a crisis, for example. I love that, you know, in times of crisis, I love watching as people come together. This is such an incredible thing about humanity, the way that we come together and want to support each other. And I love that, but isn't it true that not so long after a crisis, when it's not in the news anymore, when it's not in social media anymore, that one thing that we were so passionate about, all of a sudden, we now don't even seem to think about. We've, we've totally moved on. Isn't it, you know, I, I think about even with coronavirus and, you know, at the start of everything, the message was stay home. And there was so much social pressure to stay home. And everyone's saying, come on, government, we need to lock down couple of weeks later, people are getting over lockdown and all of a sudden it's ease the restrictions, ease the restrictions, come on government, what are you doing? You know, I, I think about technology, like I'm one of those people who when I get a new phone, I, I just want to protect the screen, okay? So that, that plastic bit that you take off the screen, I leave it on there for as long as I can. In fact, I've been known to carry my phone around in its box for a while afterwards just to protect the phone when I first get it because it's precious and I'm passionate about keeping it nice and clean and keeping it well maintained and looked after. But who knows that two weeks later, that piece of technology that you were so excited about, all of a sudden it's, you know, it's in my pocket with keys, it's thrown in my bag, I might have dropped it a couple of times. We're, we're so quick to forget things that we were so passionate about once. And this is the tendency of the human heart. We may be so passionate about something, but it's so like us to just move on. You see, it's not an old issue that was an issue for the Galatians. It's an issue for us now. It also wasn't a new issue for them. In fact, we're going to briefly look at a story um, that's all the way back in Exodus towards the start of the Bible in the time of Moses. And we're not going to read through it today. I'm just going to summarize it for you. But there's this story in the Bible about the gold calf. Now you see the Israelites, they had been led out of Egypt. Okay, they were slaves in Egypt and they were led out of Egypt. They saw incredible miracles. The sea parted. They had food from heaven. Okay, they saw incredible miracles and they were passionate about this God that had saved them. And then fast forward a little while later and their leader Moses has gone up a mountain to talk to God. Now, the Israelites have decided, you know what? We don't know where Moses has gone. He's probably never coming back. Aaron, you have to make us something to worship. Now, Aaron is Moses' brother. He was the high priest. He was, he was left responsible for looking after the people, okay? While Moses was gone just for a short while, which probably felt like a long while. All right, so here we are. Moses up the mountain. Aaron's had the people come to him and ask to make something to them, to make something they can worship. All right, so Aaron, trying to appease the people, collects all of their gold jewellery and he melts it down and he creates a gold calf. So the people start worshipping a gold calf. Now God gets 
quite angry, as you can imagine, and he comes to Moses and tells Moses what's happening. Moses comes down the mountain to find the Israelites worshipping this calf. He destroys the calf and significant events um, happen after that and many, many lives are lost following that tragic event where they were idolising something other than God. You see, we can be so quick to move from what we cannot see to something that we can see. Now, whether this is to find security in the things that we can see, sometimes I know it can be easy to fall into the tendency to try to find security in things that we can see because it feels like we can control it. But when we turn from truth, when we turn from the truth of God and worshipping him, we start to idolise other things. And whenever we start to idolise other things, we're starting to distort the gospel. We've let down our guard on our hearts and on our minds and we're forgetting to stay on guard. You see, for the Israelites, it was the calf. For the Galatians, it was rules and regulations. For us, I can't exactly answer what it is for you. But as I mentioned before, maybe it is a change in your moral compass. Maybe you've started to try to make the gospel fit into your life rather than making your life fit into the gospel. Maybe you've started to change your beliefs so that it could fit and suit you and your passions as opposed to lining your passions with the word of God. I don't know what it is for you, but I tell you what, maybe there are some things coming into your mind right now. And if there is, I'd encourage you, pay attention to those. Take those to God. Speak to him about it. You see, so often the things that we idolise can be materialistic. So often the things that we idolise can be destroyed by the hand of man, just like the calf was. But our hope is not to be in something that is temporary. Our hope is to be in something eternal and his name is Jesus. Our hope is to be in Jesus. Nothing can take that away from you. The Greek, I found this really interesting, the Greek for deserting in verse 6 where it says deserting him, that the Greek word for, for that word deserting actually means to change allegiance. It means it's like a word that was used in the army or in politics to change allegiance. It's essentially betrayal. It's going from one team and changing your allegiance to the other. And when we believe anything other than the truth of the one and only gospel, we are changing allegiance. We're changing sides. See, when truth is derailed, your faith follows suit. We have a choice between two masters. When we deviate from truth, we separate ourselves from God. In Galatians 1.10, what did it say? It said, we can't please both man and God. Galatians, the Galatians are trying to appease people. They're trying to please the false teachers. You know, I mentioned the other week um, in my message about the importance of understanding identity in Christ. I talked about how people, they change their opinions, but God he is the same yesterday and today and forever. So if we are trying to appease people, then we're never going to win because people change their opinions all the time. So we will never be satisfied. But God, he doesn't change and he calls us his children. He loves us. He wants to know us. And so it is the most satisfying thing to put our trust and our identity in God. You see, it's impossible to forsake the gospel without forsaking him. I find it so interesting that in the same scripture where Paul is talking about the gospel and not distorting it, that he talks about not seeking the approval of man. Because 
I think that there is such a link there. I think that when we are trying to please man is often exactly when we start to try to change the gospel because so often it can be linked into trying to please people, but it's impossible to forsake the gospel without forsaking God. I ask myself, why on earth would the Galatians choose to follow rules and regulations over a gospel of freedom? Like that makes no sense. Why would we enslave ourselves? Why would we trap ourselves when we have an offer of freedom? Perhaps, as I said, they wanted control or perhaps they were so stuck in their ways. Perhaps for them, it was that security in something they could see or perhaps they were fearful of people. I don't, I can't answer that for sure. We can make guesses, but we can't answer that for sure. But I do know this, I know that we are, to, we are to learn from their mistakes. You see, I love the Bible because it's full of so many mistakes that we get to learn from. The Bible is full of people making mistakes and of a good God who always forgives us. And so the Bible is full of mistakes that we can learn from. So how can we stay on guard? How do we stay on guard? Well, firstly, we need to be proactive. As I said, we position ourselves. We position ourselves to be on guard. Too often we wait for the alarms. Too often we wait for those red flag moments, you know, questioning something you previously um, held to be true. Maybe it is that you are feeling really distant from God and instead of coming to Him, you're starting to run away from Him. Maybe it's that shift in your moral compass, whatever it is, don't wait for the alarms, be ready. Be ready. Philippians 4, 7 says this, peace of, let the peace of God guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is so helpful for us. It mentions his peace and it mentions where to guard our hearts, which is in Christ Jesus. We need to keep our focus on Jesus and on the one true gospel. When we do that, it actually allows his peace into every situation that we could be facing. We are to make sure that we don't compromise the gospel like the false teachers did that we don't desert the gospel like the Galatians did, but that we actually live out the gospel in our lives. And furthermore than that, that we seek for it to be known and heard by people that don't yet know the freedom and the love of God. We need to keep a soft heart. We need to be humble. And you see, to do that, we need to rely on the Spirit. If you have a read through Galatians, you'll notice that Paul's approach to the Galatians is really to humble them. It is a way, he's, it's incredibly humbling and he's encouraging them rely on the Spirit. Because when we rely on the Spirit, we let go of our control and we truly are humble before God, allowing Him to lead us, to guide us. And it's when we do that, that we are aligned with the unity that it comes, that we are aligned with, the, with Christ's authority and with the finished work on the cross. When we rely on the Spirit, we are able to live lives that are faithful, that are obedient, but are also that, that are incredibly joyful as well. As the quote that I said to you before by David McCracken, it's not that we consciously rebel, but that we don't consciously submit. We need to consciously submit to God. Now that might look like submitting some of our desires to Him. That might look like consciously taking the word, even the word that I've preached to you today, taking that and going back to the scripture and having a look at that and, and saying, okay, God, does this line up with your word? Does this line up with what you say in scripture? We need to identify the truth. 
of where it's sourced. If it's in line with what what the apostles preach that's recorded in the New Testament, then we've got a pretty good idea that we're looking at the right gospel. If it's in line with scripture, you've got a pretty good idea that it's in line with God and what and the truth of the message. We've got to look at what the message is. Is it one of grace and freedom? Is it one of an unmerited favour? Because if it is, we can have absolute security in the gospel that is taught, in the gospel that is taught from the apostles in the New Testament that Paul talks about. And finally, I think that Ephesians 6 verse 10 to 18 has some really good advice. And if you are someone that maybe at the moment you're feeling like your guard is down or maybe you're feeling like you just need protection from the enemy or the attack coming towards you, I'd encourage you to spend some time looking into this scripture. Ephesians 6 verse 10 to 18. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armour of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Therefore, take up the whole armour of God that you may be able to withstand the evil day and having done all to stand firm. Stand therefore having fastened the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness. And as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all circumstances, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit and with all prayer and supplication to that end keep alert with all perseverance making supplication for all the saints don't let down your defenses be ready stay ready be on guard because when you consciously submit to the true gospel it'll keep you on guard i want to take a moment now for anyone who would like to respond in some way to this message and maybe you've been there listening and there's something in this message that has stirred your heart. Maybe um, some of the examples that I gave have resonated with you or maybe you just feel like you're really under attack at the moment. Well, I would love to take this opportunity to pray with you, to pray that there would be peace in your heart because of the incredible God that we serve and to pray that you would be protected and that your faith would continue to grow. So if you'd like to pray with me, Jesus, I thank you for everyone who is listening today. Father, I pray that you would protect the hearts and the minds of those who come before you and want to stay on guard. Lord, I pray that you would protect us, God, that as we keep our minds and our hearts in you, God, that we would be led by you, that we would rely on your spirit, God, that that we wouldn't listen to anything other than the gospel that you that you have given to us. We thank you, Jesus, that you are an incredible, incredible Saviour and that you died on the cross for us. And we in no way want to discredit the work that you have done, but we believe that what you did on the cross was enough, that we believe in the finished work of Christ. And Jesus, if we should try to add to that in any way, I pray that you would speak to us so clearly. God, I pray for anyone that finds themselves in a position today where maybe they've changed their moral compass, where maybe they have started to distort the gospel in some way or they're trying to add to it in some way or they're struggling with thoughts um, about who you really are. 
Jesus, I just pray that you would come and meet them where they are at. And I thank you, God, that you're a God that does that. Lord, I pray that people's eyes would be open to you and that they would open their hearts to you to be softened by you. We love you, Jesus. Amen. Hey, thanks for listening to the Bright Weekly Podcast. We hope you're encouraged today and we'd love to see you at one of our services. So to connect further with us, head over to brightchurch.com.